What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 24 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, how are we doing today? Doing, I'm doing pretty good on this little overcast Monday. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing very well. A little upset. We haven't uh, gotten on this in over a week. I think this is the longest span we've went between two episodes for the Gridiron Edition so far, which as the offseason progresses and after the draft, it might be a little more spread out in between episodes. But yeah, we're trying to get on still. It's like now a week and a couple of days. But listen, NFL news went down. So, you know, the deep ball, we got to cover it here. And we'll start with the big news that really happened in this past week. Core, your former quarterback, Sam Darnold from the New York Jets, was traded to the Carolina Panthers. The writing seemed like it was on the wall for a while. Um, how'd you feel about this? Uh, I, felt, I, felt, I felt a little sad for Sam Darnold. I know he he didn't really do as good in New York as he as he could have, but I don't think it was his fault. He went like two and ten this year. I'm honestly happy for him as a whole. He gets a new start, goes with Matt Rule in Carolina, and yeah, I think Sam Darnold just needed a fresh start, and I think in Carolina that's what he's gonna get. And I think the Jets did pretty well. They got a second round pick for a guy who does have talent but hasn't really shown that talent that he has in the NFL yet. So I think a second round pick for Sam Darnold was really good. But yeah, I think he's going to do really well in Carolina. I think he's got more weapons. He's in a better system. So mixed opinions on it, but I'm happy Sam Darnold is getting a new chance in Carolina. Yeah, I'll start with the Jets side. Uh, you kind of mentioned, yeah, they get a future second next year and they get a fourth and sixth this year, which I feel like was a lot more than maybe I expected because it seemed like all the quarterback spots were getting filled up. And it was like, I don't really see a suitor for Sam Darnold. And especially with a really, he only has one year left on his deal. I mean, he's got a $19 million option for next year, which I don't know how a team could really pick that up. But yeah, so I, I didn't really, really think they'd get more than a second. I thought maybe a third round pick, the Broncos maybe would give it. Maybe Carolina, I thought maybe Washington would take a flyer on him, but then they signed Fitzpatrick. So yeah, I think the Jets honestly did pretty well. I think it stinks because three years ago, they take Sam Darnold at number three overall, and now they have to trade him for a th- uh, only a second-round pick, which probably be in like the middle of the second round because hopefully the Panthers would be pretty decent. But overall, I still think they were able to recover their value pretty well. I mean, they got more for Sam Darnold than the Cardinals did for Josh Rosen after Josh Rosen's first year, which, I mean, Josh Rosen had four controllable or three controllable years, and Darnold only has one. But, I mean, I think Darnold showed a lot more promise than Rosen did in Rosen's only year in Arizona there it was. But um, more for the Panthers. I'm really excited for this move for the Panthers. I think all offseason they've signaled that if they could upgrade the quarterback position from Teddy Bridgewater, that maybe they could take their team to the next level. Because I think last year, I think they've lost like eight one-score games or something like that. So, I mean, you flip that around, I mean – if they if they win half of those, right? They they were what a five win team this year. I mean, you win half yeah. of those. That's four another four wins. That's a nine win season right there. That's right on the verge of the. They would have been in the playoffs over the Chicago Bears. So I mean, interesting to see what goes on in Carolina. But yeah, Sam Darnold didn't really get. I mean, he got a he got a chance in New York, but I don't think it was a fair shot. I mean, they never gave him enough of a supporting cast. I know this past offseason they tried to bring in. Uh, Denzel Mims in the draft then they brought in Makai Becton but like there was just injuries still on the offensive line he had mono that one year I mean Adam Gase is very difficult to work with and listen the track record for at least Ryan Tannehill getting away from Adam Gase was very good Sam Darnold probably hopes that getting in with a guy like Joe Brady who this proclaimed quarterback guru helps him uh, progress in his career and yeah Sam Darnold's ultra talented you put him with guys like reunite him with Robbie Anderson DJ Moore Christian McCaffrey yeah, I think Carolina can make some noise, but cool. I want to go with this now. Do you think that Sam Darnold is that much of an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater? I think talent-wise, it is, but I can't t- I can't say it's that much of an upgrade just yet because he he really hasn't succeeded at the level of like a top quarterback in the NFL or even like he's been an average quarterback at best. Through his first three seasons on the Jets, not his fault, but he just hasn't shown that he, he's like an elite quarterback or anything like that. But I think I think it is an upgrade. I think Carolina is confident that he was just not in a great system in New York with not great coaching and not many weapons, not a great O-line. 
So I think talent-wise, it's definitely an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. Despite Teddy Bridgewater, I think kind of gets slept on a little. I mean, he he's made the playoffs. He's just more of a game manager who could run, but he's more of a game manager. I think Sam Darnold has the potential to be better than that. So I think talent-wise, it is an, a pretty big upgrade over Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, as I think Darnold in the right system could could thrive. Yeah, definitely. And listen, Joe Brady, uh, Panthers offensive coordinator, has worked with Joe Burrow in the past. And what he was able to do for Burrow, I mean, Burrow was going to be a fifth round pick before his last season at LSU. And then he goes completely ballistic and turns into the number one overall pick. And I mean, Sam Donald's another ultra talented kid who, I mean, there's still room for him to develop, a lot of room for him to develop. But yeah, I think Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, the consistency's there with him. You know a lot more what you're going to get with Teddy than I think you do with Sam Darnold. But I think at the end of the day, maybe Teddy Bridgewater is just a little bit too conservative. And, yeah, that works when you're playing on the New Orleans Saints, which he when he filled in for Drew Brees, and you have all those talented players around you. But maybe when you're on a team that's less talented, like the Carolina Panthers, like it's a lot harder to hide those deficiencies that Teddy Bridgewater does have. And when you're trying to manage games that you're necessarily not like always winning, like you know what I mean, then you start playing from behind. It kind of points out some of the glaring weaknesses in Teddy Bridgewater's game. So, yeah, I think Carolina as a team will be better with Sam Darnold than they were with Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, I think, like, what, what about the Panthers receivers? You think now that – I know they don't have Curtis Samuel anymore, but do you think now with Elijah uh, Elijah Moore, DJ Moore, and that they're going to benefit from Sam Darnold? Yeah, I think they will. I think those are two really good wide receivers. I think Robbie Anderson already playing in New York. And having success with Sam Dawn, I think that definitely helps. And DJ Moore, guy, has been putting up over a thousand yards. So yeah, I think those guys should benefit from from Sam Donald because I think Donald definitely a talented quarterback, showing his flashes in New York. But yeah, I think overall it was a good trade for both sides because I mean Carolina is going five and eleven with Teddy Bridgewater. And no disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater, but how much how much higher can he really take a team than like how he played this season? So they they give up a second round pick to bring in a former third pick in the country. And I think you didn't give up too much for it. I think it's definitely worth the risk. But yeah, going back to your Rizzo thing. Yeah, I think those two guys will definitely benefit from Sam Darnold. Yeah, I agree. I think those guys are both winners. And yeah, I think the Carolina Panthers like big picture uh like hopes I guess you want to say are, are also winners in this trade because like you said listen Sam Darnold could honestly go to Carolina and just not be it and he and maybe Carolina finishes three and 13 but I mean they were five or three and 13 no they'd be three and watching we'll call it three and 14 now excuse me yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'll never get used to the 17 game season but uh but yeah but I mean how much different is that they won five games last year you know what I mean but I mean I think while you might not like it's it's a it's a risk you have to take. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think was gonna is gonna take this team to the playoffs. I think Sam Darnold has the ability to do that, not even giving up a first round pick. I think it was a home run trade for Carolina. Carolina did say too, I'm not hundred percent sure if this is valid, that they plan on exercising Sam Darnold's fifth year option, which is just about nineteen million dollars, and that becomes fully guaranteed in May. So I'm assuming they have a little bit more to decide on that. So, I mean, if that's the case, I don't get how Sam Darnold can't be the starting quarterback now in Carolina for good. So, I mean, I guess Teddy Bridgewater, is, uh, he's too expensive if you ask me to be a backup. I think he's making just about like $19 million as well. Where do you think Teddy Bridgewater goes from here? Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is in a little bit of a tough position. I quite frankly, I'm, there are a lot of teams he could he could possibly go to. I'm still not I, – I would like him to see him go – I know they're still holding on to Ben Roethlisberger, but I think Teddy going to the Steelers would be an all right move. Let him uh, be the backup this year. And then when Ben retires, you have like a manageable quarterback as your as your starter. And then Washington already has two guys who are kind of journey, not journeyman, Taylor Heineke, a guy from like the CXFL, and then Ryan Fitzpatrick, a journeyman, but. Yeah, I think the Steelers would be a decent spot for Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I don't hate the Steelers. I know Teddy Bridgewater, I believe, too, has – he has, like, two years left on his contract. But I think next year is, like, completely 
Like if they cut him, like they won't lose any money. So yeah, I think that'd be an interesting fit in Pittsburgh. I'm not 100% sure how they'd have to finagle his salary under their cap, but yeah, that'd be a pretty good spot for him to potentially step in for Ben Roethlisberger. Maybe if Ben Roethlisberger goes down this season or uh, next season, if because it looks like it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last year. Washington was another spot too because I think Washington's like one of the only places that I think that right now. Teddy Bridgewater could go and really compete for a starting job because I think honestly Teddy Bridgewater like Teddy Bridgewater versus Ryan Fitzpatrick I think would be like a, like you could have a pretty good debate on like who's the starting quarterback I don't think any, either of those guys would pull away from each other so I think Bridgewater would definitely have a chance to start there or and a realistic shot like I mean you could also argue that Teddy Bridgewater would have a good shot uh, like could be Daniel Jones in the QB contest in that QB competition but the Giants would never start that they want to see what they have in Jones in the future so that's why like a team like that I completely rule out. An interesting spot, if you ask me, is Denver. I think if Denver doesn't go for a QB in the draft, I think Denver's a good spot to maybe look for Teddy Bridgewater. I believe they're like new GM or he's some high up in the front office. Used to work in Minnesota when Minnesota originally drafted Teddy Bridgewater. So obviously he's been high on him for a while when they picked him out of Louisville. And Denver does have Drew Locke. So that's another place where I think Teddy Bridgewater could go and win a competition. And I mean, Denver's got some sneaky skill players, man. They got Melvin Gordon, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, Cortland Sutton coming back from injury, Noah Fan at tight end. And obviously with their great defense too. I mean, that's a place where that if maybe Teddy Bridgewater can be more of his game manager self and maybe lead the Broncos to nine, 10 wins and sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely do like Denver. Denver, like you said, has some sneaky weapons on the outside. And I feel like, yeah, Denver is just, it's, it's like kind of like a home field advantages team don't want to, teams don't want to play in Denver and yeah that's definitely a spot where he could be more of a game manager and he's not going to have to throw for for 350 a game because that team is well-rounded on both sides of the ball I think yeah with Drew Locke right now they don't really win many games but I think Teddy Bridgewater at this point is an upgrade over Drew Locke which could help that team so yeah I definitely like that one now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to name off a couple of teams that if Teddy Bridgewater went to, do you think he'd start for them? Now, I don't necessarily think he'd go to some of these teams because of their situations, but I just want to kind of get a feel for this. Like, if he went to the Houston Texans, right, take Deshaun Watson out of the equation. So they have Tyrod Taylor there. Who do you think starting, Tyrod Taylor or Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, come on. I think Teddy Bridgewater is starting over over Tyrod Taylor. Listen, I just want to make I just want to make sure, all right? Like yeah, I would 100% were, agree. I, I had to yeah. give you a little bit of a layup in the beginning. <laughs> the layup, all right? Uh, all right, number two. This, this one, this one, I feel like if the Chicago Bears could trade a third round pick for Teddy Bridgewater, do you think that Teddy Bridgewater should start over Andy Dalton? I also do think he should start over Andy Dalton. I don't think Andy Dalton, at this stage in his career. Does, I think Teddy Bridgewater did better on the Panthers last year than Andy Dalton did on the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, I would take Bridgewater over, over Dalton. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that, like, kind of the Bears, if you ask me right now, are kind of, like, banging their head into the table and been like, wow, man, we could have had, like, Teddy Bridgewater as our starting quarterback this year instead of Andy Dalton. Because, again, I think Teddy Bridgewater could go to Chicago, be a real good game manager for Chicago with their defense and – Maybe they wouldn't have had to cut Kyle Fuller. They probably still would have to get Teddy Bridgewater's contract up. But, I mean, now with you're paying Foles a lot of money, you're paying Dalton a lot of money, there's no way you could possibly fit Teddy Bridgewater in there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't think of another team off the top of my head, Core. So, all right, Core, I'll give you the last one. We'll go with – hmm, who will we go with? And we'll go, we'll go with Denver. You think that he would beat out Drew Locke in Denver? Yeah, I think, I think he'd beat out Drew Locke. I, I think – I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is – there's nothing wrong with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. He's just kind of like an average quarterback. So I think he goes to Denver, doesn't turn the ball over as much, but he has a good defense, a good offense. I think Drew Locke does a lot of picks. So, yeah, I I think Teddy Bridgewater would be able to start over Drew Locke. All right, final one. This is more of a comparison now. Um If you're an outside team now looking for a quarterback, so maybe you're Washington, maybe you're the Denver – Broncos GM who would you rather trade for would you rather trade for Teddy Bridgewater or would you rather call up the Detroit Lions and try to trade for Jared Goff that's a tough one uh if you're a team like the like Washington you're a team uh, like Washington you're a team that like you think that if you upgrade at quarterback you can 
go to the playoffs. You don't, your quarterback's not going to be need to be Superman for you. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. I think Jared Goff is the former number one pick, shown some flashes in L.A., but that he's just he's on a big contract. I know Teddy doesn't make chump change, but I I don't know. I'm gonna if you need like a game manager, like you need just need someone to just be decent. I'll I'll take Teddy Bridgewater also. I mean that's kind of bold, but yeah, I'll take Teddy over Jared Goff in that situation. Yeah, see, I'm I'm gonna disagree with you there, and I've always been like a high high on Jared Goff, maybe because I I think Sean McVay is just so incredible. So what he was able to do for Jared Goff, so. This past year, I think I've kind of sold all my Jared Goff stock because if Sean McVay doesn't like him, then like who could like him? But I listen, Jared Goff still, I, listen, he's been, he's won playoff games. So I'll go with him there over Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a little more like proven in like higher, higher leverage moments than Bridgewater. But yeah, I think that's like a pretty good comparison. I think those two guys. So um, move on to our next part of our show, kind of more focus on some of the free agency news that's going around. Not really too many free agency signings have been made, but it looks like on the horizon there could be a big one. Jadavion, Clown- Jadavion Clowney excuse me, uh, met with the Cleveland Browns today, which is Monday. He has not officially signed yet. I don't know by the time that this podcast is released if he will sign. But look, Clowney, the stove has been real cold on him so far. It looks like, this might- it looked like the Browns from the beginning might be a suitable team for him. So I think this is kind of like his realistic spot. I really don't think he's going to get a lot of other looks from other teams. So, Cor, what do you what do you think about Clowney to the Browns? Yeah, I I still think Clowney's got got stuff uh, something left in the tank. I know he really didn't do much last year. He only played eight games. He didn't record a sack, but I still think he's got something left in the tank. I think putting him on that bear, on that Browns defense with other with Miles Garrett, I think that would be, I think that'd be pretty pretty useful to that team. So yeah, I think Jadavion Clowney, obviously not like he was originally when he was on the Houston Texans, but he, he's I think he's still got something left in the tank. He's 28. I think he could I think he could be productive and help that Browns team get to a little bit of a next level. So I'd like I would like the signing. Yeah, I would definitely like it for the Browns too because. This would be the first time really Clowney since he left Houston that he would be like a complimentary pass rusher. I mean, in Seattle, how long was he in Seattle for? He was in Seattle for two seasons, right? I think he was in Seattle for two years and then he was in Tennessee last year. Like, first of all, first of all, I mean, Clowney, I feel like has just been like, you back like 2017, I want to say, like that around that time. I mean, Clowney was one of the best like edge rushers, edge defenders too in football. I think his stock is kind of like, dwindled in the past couple of years i remember they they traded him because they didn't want to pay him in houston and ever since then it's kind of been downhill really good run defender still but you know you know jadavion Clowney has never had a 10 sack season i think that's honestly pretty crazy i mean guy was the former number one overall pick i don't want to say the guy's a bust because of how good he is like defending the run and listen he still gets a lot of pressures but never had a 10 sack season yeah that is crazy i mean number one pick a, a dn like that edge rusher yeah, you're right. Not, I think the most he's had is nine and a half. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. But listen, I think that's maybe why the stove's been a little cold on him these past couple offseasons. I'm pretty sure last offseason he signed real late with the Tennessee okay. Titans. And obviously this year, I mean, he didn't really like produce like crazy. Like you said, what did you say? He didn't even have a sack this past year? Nah. I mean, I should have guessed that because the Titans, I think as a defense, had like 18 total sacks in 16 games. One of the worst defenses to ever make a playoffs from a pass rushing standpoint. But listen, you put Clowney next to Miles Garrett. I think that's one of the best chances that he has at a career revival. And yeah, the Browns defense does need a little bit of help. Uh, Their offense was great this past year. Their secondary is a little weak. But listen, if you address that pass rush, obviously that helps out in the secondary. I think I think it would be a good fit though, Clowney in the in the Browns uniform, and maybe the Browns can make some noise in the AFC. Yeah, I agree. I think the Browns showed a lot this year. I think adding a pass rusher like Jadavion Clowney, like you said, he's been on teams where he's. I mean, when he was on, he was on Houston with JJ Watt. But I think yeah, Jadavion Clowney is always expected to be like the man. He comes to he comes to Cleveland now, 28 years old. Didn't even have a sack last year. I think the expectations are a little bit lowered for him. Not a little bit, like they're lowered for him. And he goes with a top guy like Miles Garrett. I think it definitely helps him. And 
yeah, I think Jadavion Clowney still has something left in the tank. So, yeah, to have a guy like Miles Garrett on the outside would definitely help would definitely help him revive his career. And I think, like you said, it could help the Browns take another step and maybe get get an NFC North title this year, AFC North title. Yeah, because even like you said, you said that he'd had J.J. Watt, but, I mean, he was the number one pick coming into Houston. So, I mean, expectations were still sky high there. Then he gets traded to Seattle, and he's like, all right, like, you got to fix this defense basically in Seattle. You're their premier defender. Then he goes to Tennessee, kind of like a dwindle. But, again, Tennessee, he was probably – I'm just trying to think of their roster now. You got, like, Harold Landry as one of their edge rushers. Who, but, I mean, you're not saying that Harold Landry is better than Jadeveon Clowney. I mean, look, they just had to pay Bud Dupree crazy money, like, all coming off an ACL injury because they didn't have any pass rush. So, and I was even with Clowney. So, I mean, he's just not like, he's not that big name. So I think going to Cleveland, playing next to Miles Garrett will help him too from that. Like expectations won't be that high. Won't have a lot of pressure on him. I think it's a good spot for him. And yeah, who knows? Maybe the Browns, he could revitalize his career and maybe get a big contract next year and help the Browns win the AFC North. Cause that AFC North is going to be real good this year. But uh, we'll move on to another big piece of news that literally came in five minutes before we started to record today. The Patriots terminate Julian Edelman's contract. And, Core, I know before the show, uh, it kind of came in like while we started recording. It looks like Julian Edelman is expected to retire and, like, the termination of the contract, which is like a formality. What do you think about that? The Patriots make all that noise in the offseason. I feel like Julian Edelman was, in a way, kind of, like, forgotten about kind of because he was, like, all banged up. He is getting up there in age. And, like, they got so many receivers. They brought in Nelson Aguilar. They brought in Kendrick Boyne. They still have Jacoby Myers. They have Nikhil Harry. It seemed like it was like, oh, what about Julian Edelman? And we really hadn't heard a lot about him. But, yeah, that, that's what we hear about him. You think Julian Edelman will, um, will like, call it quits? Or you think he's going to try to uh, spend, the like, the last years of his career somewhere else? Yeah, I'm also seeing he's expected to retire. And, yeah, I think he's either going to retire – or, like we were talking before, like he's either retiring or he's going with Tom Brady to <laughs> try to get like a ring, another ring. But I I don't know how much – I think Julian Edelman last year, I know he wasn't in a great situation. He used to have him, Tom Brady. He's his quarterback. He just really didn't do that much even when he was healthy. I know he did well in that game like against the Seahawks early in the year, but he just didn't do as much. And I think, yeah – the the Patriots have some more young wide receivers and bringing in guys like Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne to go along with Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry, bringing in two tight ends. That's just a packed, skilled position wide receivers now. So, yeah, I don't I don't see Julian Edelman personally. If, if there's rumors that he's going to retire, he's already 34 years old. I, I, I think he might I think he's going to call it a, a career at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think as much as he'd maybe want to go down to Tampa Bay, join his buddies, I think even Tampa Bay, I think the receiver room is a little too full, especially if Antonio Brown comes back. If Antonio Brown comes back, I think for sure he's done. Like, he's not going to Tampa Bay and he'll just retire because I can't see him playing anywhere but Tampa Bay. But, yeah, and going back with Tom Brady, mostly for the familiarity, going with Rob Gronkowski as well, playing, return, reuniting with him. But, yeah, I mean, you bring Antonio Brown back, he'll be – arguably definitely be the fourth best. I mean, you could argue that Scotty Miller could be slotted above him where Julian Edelman is at this stage of his career. But think of, like Julian Edelman, I mean, when he was healthy, he played all right last year. Like you said, I mean, I think he went for like eight for 170 against the Seattle Seahawks, which I still think is so crazy that I think Cam Newton, what did, like Cam Newton was one of the worst passing quarterbacks in the NFL statistically last year. And he threw for like 300 something yards that game. And Julian Edelman goes for 170 against that Seattle secondary. It was brutal in the beginning of the year. But listen, Julian Edelman, he's got a bunch of rings. He's got a Super Bowl MVP under his belt. I mean, a phenomenal career for a former quarterback out of Kent State. The golden flashes in the MAC. I mean, good for Julian Edelman. That's a guy who, very easy to overlook, worked his way on through special teams. I remember even a couple years, like, now nah, this is a while back, I think he, like, started at safety uh, for the Patriots against, like, on a Monday night football game. Like, he's just so versatile, too. He used to be, like, a return man when he was a little younger. But, yeah, hats off to Julian Edelman. It just goes to show you that, like, listen, if you buy into the Patriot way, the Patriots will reward you. And they'll, listen, they'll make it well worth your, like, commitment. So, hats off to Julian Edelman. If this is it for Julian Edelman, great career. And uh, 
unexpected because, like you said, he was the Division One quarterback and he goes play slot receiver and wins a bunch of Super Bowls, wins a Super Bowl MVP and becomes one of Tom Brady's most iconic targets, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like if you think of if you think of like a wide receiver over the last few years for the Patriots, I think Julian Edelman really comes to mind. Like, not yet. He's he's been Tom Brady's guy, like Randy Moss, way before that. Yeah, when you think of a wide receiver for the Patriots, I think Julian Edelman comes right to mind, and that team won a few rings. So yeah, hats off to Julian Edelman and what he's done with the with the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, he stepped in for the Patriots. It seemed like it seemed like they never even lost Wes Welker because of the production that Edelman just stepped right into and took it on. I think there's probably there's a couple years a couple year gap for that, but like you said, it's like it's like Wes Welker. Like his loss wasn't even really felt that much because you had Julian Edelman. I think you always remember Tom Brady. Obviously, I think we'll always remember for Gronk as his main receiver. But like Randy Moss was like his own guy. You know what I mean? Like Randy Moss, we're always gonna remember because there's Tom Brady. Same thing with Gronk. But like I feel like. There's a good case to be made for, like, Tom Brady's second, like, favorite receiver behind Gronk. I think there's a strong case for it to be Julian Edelman. Maybe – I think I think Wes Welker probably takes it maybe a little bit. But listen, Wes Welker doesn't have a Super Bowl MVP under his belt. So, but I think that's a good debate for uh, some Patriots to have with their six rings. <laughs> no, that was a – I kind of forgot about Wes Welker. Honestly yeah, – You forget don't... about him because of what Julian Edelman did. Exactly. Like, like Wes Welker becomes like un- underappreciated in New England because Julian Edelman just like took over for him and did so- at such a high level. No, yeah. I, I don't know if we want to turn into this, but nah, I-, I forgot about Wes Welker. I would put Wes Welker slightly over Julian Edelman, but I think Julian Edelman really wasn't much of a drop off once mm-hmm. once Wes Welker went to Denver. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, you said Julian Edelman definitely a top receiver in Tom Brady's career. So, yeah, nothing to be shamed about. And I don't think Julian Edelman, quite a Hall of Famer, didn't quite have, like, the numbers for that. But, yeah, it's still a phenomenal career if this yeah, is going to end here. Oh, my bad to cut you off a little bit. But, yeah, that's where, like, I think, like, Wes Welker definitely has him in regular season things. But, yeah, Wes Welker could argue. I mean, Giselle, Giselle will definitely tell you that Wes Welker blew that second Super Bowl against the Giants with his butterfinger hands. Meanwhile, Julian Edelman had that crazy catch against the Falcons in Super Bowl 51, which I still don't know how he caught. Um, and then, obviously, the Super Bowl against the Rams. But, yeah, enough with the Julian Edelman talk. Honor to be able to watch him. And just another one of these veterans this offseason that we've had to say goodbye to. But uh, let's tone it to the young guys now, Core. We've given you guys on the deep ball a preview of our quarterbacks. And we did this a couple weeks ago. I believe I think believe it was right before our team previews, but then we've also talked about with the San Francisco 49ers trading up. So you kind of have had our insight on where we rank the top five quarterbacks, but we really haven't talked about a lot of other draft prospects. And I feel like with draft season coming along next next week, I believe we're going to get a full mock, uh, full first round mock draft, just me and Corey. And then the week after that, we're going to get a real good mock draft with a lot of other people. And I think that episode is going to be real interesting, a real fun, a real fun listen. But yeah, this episode we kind of want to give more of a our viewpoints on some of the top prospects, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, because, I mean, this draft is so offensive heavy. And we've already talked quarterbacks, so, Corey, let's go into the running backs. And I feel like with the running backs at the top of the draft, it's really a two-horse race between Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. And, I mean, you could definitely argue, if you ask me, there's you can't go wrong. I mean, both these guys are four-year starters. Travis Etienne has basically every single record in the ACC rushing record he has. He doesn't. He does, he's won a national championship, and I mean Najee Harris, another guy who sat behind some crazy Bama running backs in his career. Najee Harris sat behind Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs. I mean, like these guys are. It's crazy. At one point, he was the four. He was the four string running back on that 2017 team, which is one of the all time best college football teams, if you ask me. Like from a roster construction standpoint. But um, yeah, who would you take? Uh, first in the draft. Do you think who, who's going to be a better pro, Najee Harris or Travis Etienne? I'm going to go with Najee Harris. They're both great. I mean, let's just go to sp- speak about Travis Etienne. This year he had a little bit of a drop off, but before this year, this dude's yards per carry was actually insane. Like this guy never rushed for under seven yards per carry. Which I I know he was playing against. He's playing behind like a great Clemson online and he was playing with uh, Trevor Lawrence and 
like Kelly Bryant and good quarterbacks. But like, that is actually crazy. But I think Najee Harris is – I think they're both going to be really good. But I think Najee Harris I give the slight edge to. I just He's a bigger guy. And I think Najee Harris is capable – I think people act, like Travis Etienne has the advantage as a pass catcher. But I think Najee Harris is definitely capable of that. And Najee Harris just – a dynamic running they both are it's it's a tough decision but i i would go Najee harris is just a bigger guy and I, I just like him so i'm gonna go i think Najee harris i'd put over travis Etienne slightly yeah i'd agree with you and i don't think it's a knock on travis Etienne. travis Etienne, if you ask me more of a home run hitter than Najee harris like you said his yards per carry boosted because of his crazy long touchdowns that this guy runs for but yeah Definitely did have a little bit of a drop-off this year, which scared me a little bit. I think it was also kind of interesting to see both these guys come back for their fourth year because if they would have went into the draft last year, I mean, you had what? You had Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and Cam Akers. Those five running backs all went within, like, from the last pick in the first round to, like, the middle of the second round. So, I mean, you would have thrown, if you would have thrown Harris and ETN in there, I think they would have went right in the same spot. Like, I think you could have argued, I mean, you could have argued, honestly, last year that ETN would probably be the number two running back off the board. Najee a little later. I think Najee going back to school this last year definitely helped his stock more than ETN's. But, yeah, I'd also go with Najee House because Travis ETN was, like, I believe he was a four-year starter, and he has a lot more carries than Najee House, which, as a running back, going into the NFL, you don't want, like, a lot of wear and tear on your legs. But, yeah, Najee Harris goes back to Alabama, really develops more as a pass catcher, too, for his size. I think Najee Harris is going to be an absolute problem in the NFL. I I mean, he's got that star pedigree, too. He was a former number one overall recruit to Alabama in the nation. So, yeah, but I don't think that's a knock on Travis Etienne. I think Travis Etienne will be a really good football player still, especially if you put him in the right situation. Like, I'm kind of going to plug this now. We have our new website at the deep ball. I did my recent mock draft today. I, it was uploaded today. And I had like Travis Etienne going to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you put Travis Etienne in a system with Josh Allen and Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs and that opened up offense, that spread out offense. I mean, I think Travis Etienne could be a real weapon in the right system. But uh, kind of want to go now to talk about some of the less herald running backs. Corp, who's your big sleeper or a guy maybe not getting enough attention that really should get more love in the NFL draft? Yeah, obviously – the two guys in UNC, you got Javante Williams and the guy Carter. Those guys, obviously, two, they just were both running crazy down there in UNC with that dynamic offense. But I think a guy who really showed out in towards the end of the season and in the playoff was Trey Sermon. I'm not sure where he's going to go, but I think Trey Sermon took over for Master Teague. And he was just going, like, against Northwestern, 331 yards, then 193 against Clemson. He got hurt really early in the Alabama game. But I just think Trey Sermon was averaging over seven yards per carry this year. I think he proved he, he's got to go. I, I think he, he could come back, right? Or he's a senior. But nah, Ser- Sermon? Yeah. Was he a junior? Hey, uh, now I can't even remember. I think Sermon might like because he transferred, but I, I don't know if he lost his eligibility. He yeah, probably yeah. he probably could have went back for like one of those like he could have probably applied for one of those extra years. But watch him we'll call it. But I think I mean Not I yet. think it was perfect. Like with with the playoff run that he had, I think he had to go to the draft. He had too much traction. I know he got hurt in the championship game, but what he did against um, Northwestern and then we did the following game against Clemson, I think he had to go out. I don't oh, think it was a question. I, I was just gonna say yeah, like definitely a smart move for him. To declare for the draft. So, yeah, I think Trey Sermon definitely balled out in the playoffs. And, yeah, he looked really good. So, I think he's definitely a sleeper. Not a sleeper. Everyone knows who he is now. But I think he could um could help he could help an NFL team, definitely. Yeah, Trey Sermon, I, I agree with you. I think Trey Sermon, and especially another one of those guys who doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his legs. Because, I mean, guy was a bad guy. didn't really play a lot at Oklahoma. Then goes to Ohio State and wasn't playing much behind Master Teague. And then takes off the past, uh, like, the last three weeks, really, the last three games of his season. But I want to talk about maybe a little bit more of a sleeper. I mean, this maybe I'm a little biased because I love my Louisiana raging Cajuns. But their running back, Elijah Mitchell, could run the hell out of the ball. I mean, this guy's a physical runner. He was a four-year player at Louisiana. Ran for 16 touchdowns two years ago. Had a little bit of a down year this past year. But, listen, 
This guy, like, I remember watching him against, I believe it was it's Georgia State or Georgia Southern. He goes, he went for like over 160 yards and two touchdowns in that game. The guy just runs angry, runs possessed. I'd love to see a team maybe in like the sixth or seventh round, which is kind of where they've been talking about probably his spot where he'll go. Uh, I think you're getting a real steal on Elijah Mitchell. Another guy I want to talk about, Chuba Hubbard, who was unbelievable in 2019 and had a brutal 2020 uh, for Oklahoma State. He was dealing with a lot of injuries this past year. Oklahoma State's offense also was kind of a mess when Spencer Sanders was out at quarterback. So, yeah, I think Chuba Hubbard could be another guy who goes in the fourth, fifth round that a lot of people are like, how did this guy fall? Uh, looking back at the draft in a couple of years. But yeah, so that's kind of wraps up our running backs. I think running backs, like we kind of say, like sometimes they don't get enough love because everybody's just like, oh, don't draft a running back. They're interchangeable. But I mean, look, if you have the right dynamic running back, they could absolutely change a football game. Oh, not yet. Definitely the O-line and that stuff helps. But I think if you have a good O-line, a lot of running backs could look decent. But only the top, top guys, they're going to – take off to that next level. Like Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, those two dudes, if you put them in the same backfield as a guy, I'm not going to say on the draft, just like a lower guy, obviously. It's not that interchangeable. Like Najee Harris is going to be able to take more advantage of the holes that he's given compared to another guy. So, yeah, definitely running backs, I think, uh, more important than they are given to. People act like it's all the whole line, but, yeah, like, Derrick Henry, guys like that, like, those guys are – Dalvin Cook, like, those guys are hard to replace. No, yeah, I agree. Like, if you if you get, like, that that elite, elite running back, like, there are just certain running backs, like, I mean, they're just uh, – they're a special talent. Like, they can't be replaced. Like, yeah, you can put a, another running back there, and they're going to they're gonna do well, but they're not going to do as well as some of these other running backs. But moving on to our pass catchers or our group wide receivers and tight ends together, there's kind of really a big four at the top of this draft. You got – we'll say we got the guy – two guys from Alabama – you got Devonta Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, Jalen Waddle from Alabama as well, Jamar Chase from LSU, who was an opt-out this past season. And then you got the tight end Kyle Pitts, who's probably the most intriguing prospect in this draft because of his potential. Core, I want I'm interested to hear from you first. Where would you rank these guys from one to four? Who would you take who would you put first? Who would you put last? Like you're obviously ranking one, two, three, four, though. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna honestly put Kyle Pitts at one, just a six six. 240-pound guy that runs that fast. That guy's just going to be – I think he's going to be a problem in the NFL. And then second, I'm going to be maybe a little bit recency bias. I know Jamar Chase opted out this season, and all Devontae Smith did was uh, was just ball out at like 20, 23 total touchdowns and almost 2,000 yards. So I'm going to put him at two. I'm going to put Jamar Chase at three, and I'll put Jalen Waddle at, at four. But all these guys – this is just a strong offensive class. All four of these guys are really good. And then maybe in like other years, they could they could all be like the guy and be the first skill offense, like wide receiver or tight end taken. But in this year, it's just a strong class. So that was my that's my ranking. Yeah, listen, I don't like I feel like maybe these past couple of years, like the wide receiver classes have been coming out and everybody's like. Oh man, like like oh this guy's like these three guys are elite. This is the best wide receiver class we've seen in forever. Last year's wide receiver class was insanely deep, but I mean, dude, it's just like again, like like all four of these guys, I feel like could be like elite like players at the NFL level. I mean, they're all like phenomenal. If you ask me, if I had to rate them, I'd probably st- I'd I'm with you with Kyle Pitts one, but I'll take Jamar Chase number two. I think you're sleeping on Jamar Chase a little bit. This guy was unbelievable. Uh, his sophomore year at LSU. I don't think his stock like will drop that much because he didn't come back, honestly, because I don't think there was anything left to prove. He won the Blittenkopf as the best wide receiver as a sophomore. I know it helps when Joe Burrow's throwing you streaks a lot, which Jamar Chase, for the most part, was catching uh, a lot of vertical routes. But I mean, Jamar Chase, for his, like, he's, I believe he's 6'1", too. He's so good at the point of the catch, too. Uh, I remember, like, Moss, one of the guys in Alabama. I think it's D- uh, I think it was Diggs on Alabama. Then I'd put I know it might be a little controversial because Devonta Smith didn't win the Heisman, but I'll put Jalen Waddle over Devonta Smith only because of Jalen Waddle's speed, and I'm just in love with speed at the receiver position because I just think that like Jalen Waddle too, and like his ability to go up and like catch like like leap for balls. Like I remember that play that he made against like Missouri. It's just like it's just reminds me too much of Tyree Kill and like the way that the NFL is going about how you can get like he's got like fast guys the ball in space. I just think Jalen Waddle is just like. 
the direction the NFL is going. And, I, and Devonta Smith is at four, but I don't think that's a knock on Devonta Smith at all. I think Devonta Smith is just an absolute gifted route runner. I think people like his frame doesn't concern me. That guy just knows how to get open. And listen, he's got big game experience. He absolutely balled out in the national championship this past year. Obviously, as a true freshman, he caught that game winner from Tua in, uh, against Georgia. So, yeah, I think all four of these guys are going to be a problem. But, Core, we'll circle back to our number one guy on both of our boards, Kyle Pitts, man. I think Kyle Pitts, like, I think a lot of people are, like, sleeping on Kyle Pitts because they see, like, this athletic tight end and, like, they're like, oh, it's like Evan Ingram 2.0. But I don't think people realize that, like, Kyle Pitts is just, like, if, if Kyle Pitts is a bust, if you ask me, I will be utterly shocked. I just don't get how he can because this guy runs a 4-4 at tight end. And who, who are you going to guard Kyle Pitts with? You put linebackers on him. He, he will outrun any linebacker. You put defensive backs on him, he will moss any defensive back. Patrick Sertan, who will be a top 15 pick in his NFL draft, could not guard him when they played Alabama in the SEC championship game. He caught a touchdown against them that was unbelievable in traffic, but he is just that dominant, and he proved it this past college season. No, yeah, Kyle Pitts, definitely. I don't see him being a bust either. I just don't see how he possibly could. And I think of a lot of teams, like I think if the Panthers somehow added Kyle Pitts, if he felt him, that would be like that offense would be scary, like really scary if they added Kyle Pitts. Just yeah, six six two forty six. Guy had I remember watching him against against Ole Miss the first game of the season when they won like fifty one to thirty five. He had four touchdowns. It was either yep. four or five four. Yeah, and he he he's just a problem. I I mean. People relating him back to Evan Ingram. Not every guy's the same. Just watching the guy, the guy running a 4-4. Yeah, Kyle Pitts, I think, is a very unique player. And he, he could play wide receiver, but, yeah, just his size and strength. They're going to, like, as a tight end, there's just not many. You can't really guard him. Like, you put a linebacker on him, like you said, you're just gonna, he's going to run right by you. DB Like a DB, he's just going to moss you. So I think this guy... I don't see him busting. I think he's going to come in right away. And I think this guy is going to be a top tight end right away. And I plan on drafting this guy in fantasy drafts pretty early in uh, amongst the tight ends. I think this guy's going to be really good. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that, like, this notion, too, and it's kind of been proven that, like, tight ends are kind of struggle in their first year. I know TJ Hawkins didn't have a great rookie season. He was a top 10 tight end. But, yeah. I think Pitts is kind of an exception because of how much more, how similar he is to like a receiver. I mean, I remember on our Instagram at the deep ball underscore, I posted something maybe a week ago was about how Kyle Pitts like Matt measured up with Mike Evans. I mean, he like, he's lit, he literally measures like Mike Evans, but he's bigger. So I think that just is going to play into his advantage. I know Dallas has been a team that has been like in love with Kyle Pitts and they're thinking about like trading up for him, which I mean, if you put him on in Dallas's offense, yeah, I honestly think he'd be a home run hit in fantasy football. I think that you could argue that Kyle Pitts now, I'm, I mean, you could say I can get a little bit ahead of myself, but I mean, the Pro Bowl tight ends in the NFC this past year were TJ Hawkinson and Evan Ingram. Obviously, George Kittle's coming back, but I mean, you could argue that Kyle Pitts will compete for a Pro Bowl if you ask me in his rookie season if he's in Dallas because of with Dak Prescott throwing into him and I mean, he's going to see one-on-one -on -one coverage with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup out there. But, yeah, I think Pitts, wherever he lands, will be a very good football player. And, honestly, all these, all three, all four of these guys will be tremendous football players, at least I believe. But uh, let's, let's show some of the other guys some love, Gore, because this is a deeper receiving class. Who's some of the guys in the second tier that maybe at the end of the first round, early second round, or maybe even later than that, uh, will probably will, will perform better than their draft position? Yeah, I like uh, Elijah Moore, wide receiver out of Ole Miss. First, just watching the guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he makes some really, really tough plays out there where he's just he, he's just a dynamic wide receiver. And I think also the thing that helps me with this is Ole Miss recently, like their wide receivers have been really good. Obviously, we know about DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, two guys already in the league. The number one, I mean, DK and Tyler Lockett, but A.J. Brown, the number one wide receiver on the Titans in a good offense. DK Metcalf, obviously a freak. So I think that helps me believe in Elijah Moore. Like the receivers at Ole Miss have, have been good of late. So, yeah, I like Elijah Moore. The uh, Skipping his last year of eligibility and coming to the draft, I think he'll be 
make an impact in the league. Yeah, I love like we kind of mentioned this when we used to like talk a lot more about our college football. We love watching Ole Miss. I mean, I love that touchdown that Elijah Moore scores when uh, Lane Kiffin throws the clipboard up. Elijah Moore is a dynamic receiver, a little overlooked if you ask me this year, but he put up some huge numbers for Ole Miss. Another guy, I mean, I'll I'll touch on a couple of these guys here. I love Kadarius Tony from uh, Florida. Another guy who played with Kyle Pitts, which and Kyle Trask as well. This is another guy who's extremely quick. You got you get this guy the ball in space, good things will happen. I know in my mock draft that I posted, I had him going to the Chicago Bears at 20, which maybe is a little early for him, but I think that potentially taking over for Allen Robinson who's only on the franchise tag, um, he could become like maybe not a number one receiver, but your number one like weapon almost because you can use him so many different ways. And another guy who I'll show a little love to who's definitely gotten overlooked during his time at LSU, it's Terrence Marshall. I mean, this guy was the number three receiver a couple years ago when they had that when they had Jefferson and Chase and uh, was Clyde Edwards, Lair, Thaddeus Moss too. And then this past season with no Chase, it was kind of like, all right, Terrence Marshall, like you're gonna step into the spotlight. I mean, before he opted out, he absolutely balled out. I believe he had like four touchdowns in one game. So that's another guy who I think will go at the end of the first round, early second round, who could really be um really be a problem in the NFL. And like you kind of said too with old Miss receivers, I mean LSU receivers have a great track record in the NFL. So I definitely think that his floor then is a little higher than a lot of other guys. But uh, we'll wrap it up kind of talking about the linemen. We won't talk too much about the linemen. But listen, we got to show the linemen love a little bit. And I feel like there's one guy in this offensive line class who is right above the rest. I know Rashawn Slater is from Northwestern. is very good. But, I mean, it's Penny Sewell versus the world. I mean, this guy, ever since he really stepped onto campus at Oregon, people were like, this guy's going to be – a very high NFL draft pick, and he starts as a true freshman as a 17-year-old at left tackle, and then his 18-slash-19-year-old season, uh, sophomore season blocking for Justin Herbert, wins the best lineman of the year award. Uh, the, I can't I can't think of the, the, what the award name is off the top of my head now. But, um, yeah, then he opts out in 2020, but, again, there was just nothing left for him to prove, and I think that wherever he goes, I hope he goes to Cincinnati because Cincinnati needs to protect Joe Burrow but, yeah, wherever he goes, I think it's going to be a home run pick for that team. Yeah, Penny Sewell, definitely going to be the first offensive lineman drafted. And, yeah, there's a lot of teams that could use him. And he's a generational offensive line talent. It's just like um, offensive linemen don't really have stats. But this guy is just – if you have a guy like this on your old line, kind of establishes the rest of it as – he, he could pick up a top defensive player to stop you from getting your quarterback. Now, yeah, I think the Bengals either got to go Kyle Pitts or Penny Sewell. I think that's what they could use. And if they get Penny Sewell giving – I personally think they should go Sewell. I mean, you need to protect your quarterback, Joe Burrow. He took a lot of hits last year. I think definitely drafting him at number five would be smart because this guy – Definitely the best offensive lineman in this draft. Yeah, there's been a little bit of chatter, too, that they want to reunite Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow, which I don't think it would be a necessarily bad idea, but I just think it would be crazy, especially Burrow coming off a torn ACL to not pick Penny Sewell. But uh, anybody else, core on the offensive lineman, any of these guys that maybe later in the first round, like I said, early second round, that um, kind of speaking to you a little bit? Yeah, I don't really know that many offensive lineman I'm not gonna lie but yeah this guy a d3 player for the Wisconsin Whitewater Warhawks Quinn Miners I know he's a a d3 a d3 prospect but yeah 6'3 320 definitely showed out in the in the senior bowl this guy definitely another another sleeper and just because you're playing at the d3 level I mean that's 6'3 320 that's not your normal d3 offensive lineman size so to get that big of a guy at the D3 level, and he showed out in the senior bowl, he, he might have been a guy just underlooked in high school. So, yeah, definitely a sleeper in Quinn Miners. Yeah, Miners. Listen, Jim Nagy, the guy who runs the senior bowl, I follow him on Twitter. It absolutely loves the guy. Like, they, they post, he posts the, they like post for a picture too. He's like the famous lineman, like the crop top picture. I don't know if you've ever seen, you've seen it before. But this guy's rocking a crop top. Love the guy. Feel good story. He'll probably be a second, third round pick. And look, just like you kind of said, just because you play D3 football doesn't mean you're out of it. I mean, Ali Marpet, guy from Hobart a couple years ago, taken in the early second round. I mean, he's been a home run hit 
for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another guy who I like later, uh, probably like early second round, mid-second round, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Started, I believe, three of the four years there at Oklahoma. And they kind of block like very interesting. Like sometimes like they'll pull centers and have them block on the perimeter and pass pro, which I think is crazy. But Lincoln Riley's kind of like innovative with that stuff. So yeah, I think that he wherever he goes, he's pro ready too. Same thing with um, Alabama center uh, Landon Dickinson, and I mean the guy's doing cartwheels at in the background of Mac Jones's uh, interview. That's another guy whose toughness is undeniable. A guy who transferred from Florida State to Alabama, change your culture in your locker room. So yeah, listen, I think there's a couple of these offensive linemen. Like I said, we're not we don't watch nine hours of film on Landon Dickinson, but you know what I mean. From what we hear, we could we could gauge a little bit. So um. Yeah, I think those are two guys, Dick and Dickinson and Humphrey, who could potentially make a big impact at the next level. But uh, that's going to do it for our at least our offensive draft preview. Maybe next episode, too, we'll try to give more from the defensive side of the ball, highlight our like favorite guys on the defensive side of the ball. But, uh, Cor, is there anything you'd like to leave off with? No, nah, not really. But Landon Dickinson, that guy, he's a dog. Didn't that guy have, like, a partially torn – ACL against like Florida and then he was warming up in the national championship game and then he got in for like the last play yeah yeah, yeah. he didn't like yeah he play, he like took like the last snap or whatever but he walked out for the coin toss took the last snap yeah and then got towards ACL like three months uh, three weeks before I mean absolute dog yeah that's actually crazy Saban I don't know what Saban's got these guys on but yeah that's that's pretty wild yeah that's all that's all I got it to say just gotta give the shout out to Landon Dickinson, good shout by Payo. Yeah, the guy's a dog, but yeah, you can proceed. That's what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, next week, we're probably going to give our formal mock draft. We'll probably go back and forth on picks. Uh, maybe we'll, I'm not sure exactly how much we do. Maybe we'll do the first half of the first round, or maybe we'll do the whole first round, however dangerous we're feeling. But uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore as well. You can check out our new website that we just started on that. On with that website, we're gonna start posting a lot more, um, like just articles about our stuff, maybe more instant reactions about, um, like baseball, football, and basketball as well, even. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check that out. Uh, yeah, look out for our next episode of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition coming this weekend. And yeah, take care, everybody. Have a good one. Stay safe.